Good to go. Welcome into the DNR College Football Report through 1077 The Franchise. Randy Heights, Reeves Mitchell, Dave Myrick. Boys, what do we think about, uh, you know, OU's journey up to Nippert? It, uh, I don't think it was the most consistent offense we've seen. That run game is still still struggling to find its identity, I think. Uh, you know, we talked to Brent Venables this morning, and, and guys, I can a 1,000% now say it has to do with practice. Some guys are practicing better than others. No doubt about that after talking to Brent this morning. Uh, that being said, it, it's kind of odd to see what we thought would be the best running backs, you know, on this roster not get a touch in a very tough place. That being said, the offensive line was missing a, a key starter, but Reeves, Dylan Gabriel hadn't won at Nipper before. They get the win, come out with a conference road win. You, you can never take that away. Yeah, and Dave, it was kind of an up-and-down day for Dylan Gabriel. He had the fumble early, which – you know, seemed to rock his confidence just a little bit. But, man, he did make some really good throws over the middle, intermediate throws to pick up first downs in big situations. Um, I think the receiver room stood out. Again, Andrew Anthony going over 100 yards again. He's really cementing himself as the number one receiver in this offense in my mind. But, guys, there's a lot of receivers in this offense that can do a lot of lethal damage. Just look at Nick Anderson. He scored again. That's his fourth touchdown in two games. Just incredible stuff from the redshirt freshman. So, there's definitely room to improve on this offense and you could see it, you know, only scoring 20 points in that game, but there are a few things, you know, I like to see and I want to see how it progresses going into the cotton bowl in two weeks. And no doubt guys. I mean, offense was a perfect, no, but you know, it did what it needed to do. It, it did enough to get the win. And you look at this team, it's not built around defense. I'm not going to go crazy like that, but the defense is doing its job. And, and so you look at it, we say they got 20 points, but also let's go back and look at the calls. I mean, there was a pass interference in the end zone that would have clearly been a touchdown. There's seven more points, you know, and, and there's a couple of other times where Oklahoma's just not getting calls. I mean, and I'm not making it out OU versus the Big 12 or anything like that, but a road game, you kind of wonder because we'll, we'll see what happens when Texas plays at Kansas if it's a close game. I mean, for Texas, they didn't have that happen to them against Baylor because that game was over early. I think there is going to be some of that, not really out to get them. But, yeah, Oklahoma's got to cut down on some mistakes, and I think the offense looks a lot better. There was, what, a big catch by Marcus Major for a long run that was a holding call. Yep. You know, the offense had moments, and it's just like they found little mistakes to take away those big plays they had at times. And, and that's kind of also, I feel like, the up and down. you got to play clean, especially if you're not going to play perfect. Randy, you won't say it. I will. I mean, the, the penalties against Oklahoma, look, I go back and watch the game on Sunday, break the film down. There's something to it. You get eight penalties for 52 yards for OU, two for 10 against Cincinnati. And, and I saw OU defensive linemen twirled around like ballerina dancers. Obvious holds not called. You referenced the pass interference. That stuff stacks up throughout a game, and it's it's very hard to overcome a tough crowd, a good team, and the refs, Reeves. Yeah, and Dave, we were down at practice last night, and we got to talk to one of the running backs, Tawi Walker, and he said something interesting in my mind, uh, just that this running back room, we're not really making the home run plays yet, but we're just trying to stay consistent, you know, in our craft. And that's very true. I mean, you haven't really seen the huge 50-yard runs from this offense, none of the running backs. But what's weird to me is those two guys on the bench not getting touches, those in my mind are the home run hitters. So I'm just confused why a guy like Sawchuck isn't getting the, you know, little screen pass that Stoops is getting on the sidelines. A guy like Javante Barnes isn't getting a chance on, you know, a one-on-one -on -one opportunity, something like that. You know, we've talked about it. Is this just Jeff Levy holding his bullets in the chamber, stuff like that? 
you've got to assume so. But man, versus Texas, I I find it hard to believe you're not going to start really using these guys that really per se are your home run hitters on the offense. Practice, Randy. Uh, and practice, and I think we're here today. It's not Levy. It's Demarco Murray making the call on that. You know, as far as which I totally believe, you got an All Pro NFL MVP as your coach at running back. He's going to make the calls on the running backs to get in there to play, and that. It's just simple. I mean, Dave, you've said it. It's practice by the sounds of things. They've got to go out and practice better. And I, I think when we go back to the offensive inconsistencies, you know, two out of the last three games, that's probably what they're calling out in practice. And who knows, guys? It may be not as much on the running game. Maybe those guys aren't picking up blocks. Right. You know, that's a lot of part that goes into the running back position gets forgot about so many times as far as everyone thinks it's about receiving and running the ball. When you throw the ball as much as Oklahoma does, if you're not picking up blocks, that's a big reason you don't get to play because the last thing you want to do is get your quarterback killed because the running back's not picking up that block. So many more nuances at the position than just yeah. running the ball, picking up yards. Yeah, many RPOs as this offense runs. I mean, yeah, your running backs have to be hand, you know, in sync with everything going on. Does not sound like the two guys we really thought coming into the season were going to be the bell cows for this offense and got everybody so excited. You know, against what now, as I keep saying, looks to be a very elite Florida State defense. They did more than hold their own, Reeves. I mean, they ripped off runs that we're not seeing right now because the other two guys, whether they can make it or not, it's just not happening. Yeah, and I think all four of these backs have specific roles that can really help this offense. I mean, Tawi Walker, man, you saw him on that. You even saw him in the game catch some passes, which I didn't really know he could do, make a great cut. But there's one play on the sideline where Dylan kind of just checked it down to him and he completely ran over the cornerback, mm-hmm. got up like five extra yards. And so all these guys can do different things. We've seen Marcus Major have some big runs this year, but I just, man, I'd love to see Sawchuck get an opportunity to make a guy miss an open field. That Florida State defense, Dave, it's basically the same defense they have this year. It was really good last year. And he was making fools of them in that cheese it bowl game. So we'll see if, you know, Le- or Randy says it's DeMarco, not Levy, whoever's making this decision. We'll see if they open it up more in the cotton bowl or stick with the two guys they've been riding with. Well, I think it'll be two. I think when you look at it, two guys I rode with against Tulsa, I mean, it was just saw Chuck and Barnes. I mean, Walker barely saw the field and so did major. I mean, I think it's going to be a week to week thing. You know, you look at it and it's going to be, who performed well in practice, right, wrong, or indifferent. Because, you know, Dylan Buckingham was talking today on the franchise, and he and I were talking beforehand as well. The one difference in this year and last year, they were going through the same thing last year, if you remember. They didn't have a back. They didn't know who it was going to be. Yeah, Eric Gray was there. But the difference between what's happened now and what happened last year, Eric Gray went and took the right. job. Right. He performed in practice. And when he got every chance in a ball game, he went and performed in a game. And as much as I, I am a fan of Gavin Sawchuk, I'm like you. I watched him and everything. But in the little we've got to see him, nope. he doesn't have that explosiveness nope. that he had against the Florida State. So I don't know if that was the nagging injury from, you know, in the preseason and really he's not back 100%, so he's not going full speed. It, it's been different. And Javante Barnes has always been the guy that's more of a bruiser guy. Right. So – to me, your home run threat right now out of the backfield, and you saw it in the receiving game on Saturday. And when the cleats, that was the thing. It was like Ryan and them were talking about on the morning show. There was a spot on the field where both teams were slipping and falling. 
two of my majors big slip downs on runs were at that same right end of the field. You know, so it's not cleats. It was something with the field. Major's more of your home run hitter right now to the backfield position until you see Sachuk has that explosive ability because he played special teams Saturday. Yeah, he did. So he was playing. Barnes is the one that I don't think anyone has seen out there at all yesterday, on Saturday. Well, I mean, look, all the fans are clamoring to see these guys. We set it off. We did see him last week against Tulsa. And, guys, it for whatever reason, you know, what everybody expected them to be, that's not what we saw. Whether it's not trusting, you know, your body back from injury. Gavin did not have the same explosiveness mm-hmm. on his runs. Uh, it, look, if we're all clamoring to see it, well, we saw it, and it wasn't really that good. I kind of get where the coaching staff is coming from. Brent said it this morning. We want someone to step up and take this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you referenced Eric Gray did it last year. But, I mean, hey, look, it might beat Cincinnati. It might beat Iowa State. What they have going with the run game right now will not beat Texas and Dallas in a week. Yeah, and I will say I think the play-action passing game downfield is suffering because the run game is not consistent right now. I mean, no what what fake are you biting on right now if you're an opposing defense against OU? Because these runs are only going for two, three, four yards. It's not the six, seven, you know, gashing you downfield, and then you have to really think, oh, maybe we should load the box, stuff like that. Another game I watched this weekend that I just wanted to allude to real quick, Oregon just destroyed Colorado. We'll get into that later, but if you watch that game, Oregon on offense, they were able to consistently run it for seven, eight yards, and what did that do? Bo Nix would then fake the handoff, throw downfield, it'd be wide open. Oh, you can't really do that right now, guys, because they're not running it well enough. No, I, I can't disagree with that. I do think that that's why I'm like, I'm really interested, and I hope they do this. I want him to stay with Marcus Major this week. I saw a lot of things out of him last week. He's got that explosive ability. He's got some elusiveness to him. And to be honest, he was the guy, the coaching staff, when he signed at Oklahoma, compared him to one former back at Oklahoma. And I'm not making him out to be this guy. It was DeMarco Murray. He said he's the closest thing they've had to DeMarco Murray since they've had DeMarco Murray at Oklahoma. And it's because he can do a lot of that same stuff. He's got some speed. He's got some quickness. He can run the ball. He can receive the ball. And so right now until those other guys step up, he might be the best guy to go, hey, you're the number one. Let's go out and see if you can earn it. And that's what I think maybe last week was because if you notice, there was a shift into letting Marcus be the number one guy last week, right? Yeah. That's why – I'm not going to say he took the job by any stretch, but I think with the healthier offensive line, you get Bird back in there because a lot of this, too, can be on that offensive line, not opening those. Sure. Is this the week you go, you know what? Marcus, here's your another chance. You go see if you can do what Eric Gray did last year. Now that you got a more healthy offensive line, they start making the blocks for you, you go and try to take that reins. And if you don't, then you are. You're you're back to, I'm not going to say square one, but it's kind of like, all right, Ty Wee. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be Sawchuck? Is it going to be Barnes? And, and you can use some. I think Brent, what he said today was right. You can't use all four. But you can use two to three guys in a game. Yeah, Not a problem yeah, at all. You can, guys, to your point, if you want him to be the bell cow, and so you have to give these guys a chance to get in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, running back is just like any other position. They get in a groove. They start hitting holes. They, they start feeling things. They start feeling that offensive line. You can see it the more carries they get. Right now, that can't happen. And when you've got a you're rotating two backs every other guy, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Don't know if it was planned, it's just kind of what happened. But I'm with you in terms of hey, pick a guy this weekend, see what he's got, give him the carries behind a healthy offensive line, see what happens, and stick with it. You know, if he needs to, of course you'll bring somebody in for depth. You know, when, when they're gassed. But Reeves, give one guy the carries and see what see what happens. Yeah, and if you don't think we're gonna pound the ball this weekend against Iowa State, you're crazy. Because I mean. 
going into the Texas game, guys, this coaching staff knows we have to be able to run the ball versus this Texas defense or else this offense isn't going to move the ball. So against a weaker Iowa State defense, especially this week, guys, Oklahoma State lost to them, but they hung 27 on them. Like this Oklahoma State offense hung 27. So I want to see um, the OU offense come out and really make an initiative to say, hey, let's get 150 to 200 rushing yards today and let's get a lot of guys in, involved and let's get this offensive line blocking again to where we can get five, six yards of carry. Randy, Iowa State will look like the Patriots this weekend on defense. <laughs> yeah. I Always mean, with OU. Hey, and I'll say this, Reeves. You want them to come out and pound it. They're not going to come out and pound it. They're going to air it out. They're going to play their game. Because to be honest, we can all get focused on the running game and what they do rushing yards. To me, it's not about the running game. I've said it all along. It goes back to the Mike Leach way of offense as well. Those little out passes you mentioned to Stoops, those are run plays. you got to get those involved. If you can at least start doing that with Farouk, with Stoops, yep. with Freeman, you can supplement what maybe you're not doing in the running game and make up for it there. Yeah, you need a running game. I'm not saying, oh, abandon the run. So I think you're going to see that. And to be honest, you're going to see Vanilla again. Yeah. I mean, nothing, why show anything? Nothing. This Iowa State about. team's bad. You're going to go out there and you're just going to – you're going to be like, hey, this may be the most basic game plan, in my opinion, I think, that we've seen all year long out of this team. Couldn't agree more. The week before Texas. Yeah, we, why show them anything? Yep. The only thing you may see are some trick play stuff that you're not going to see in that game anyway just to make Texas Put think about it. Put it on film. It. Yeah, like, hey, you may need to think about this. Right. You might need to think about this. But can I say one other thing, because I know we're going to talk about other games later on as well. Can the Dylan Gabriel debate that's on Twitter just stop. It's like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And, and I'm not saying Jackson Arnold doesn't have talent. I think he's going to be a superstar at Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel ranks in like top 10 in every NCAA category right now. In the country. In yes. the country. Not yes. Big 12. Right. He's like number one and most of them in the Big 12. Right. Don't be idiots. I mean that, and to be honest, that's what drives me nuts about Oklahoma fans the most. It's always the back of it. It's this way everywhere. Yeah. But it's like, guys, Jackson Arnold's going to be good. And, yes, we can all compare what he's done when he came in. Yeah, those look good. That look good, you know, when he's made these deep throws. Guess what? He's usually going up against a Back second ups. or third team unit or a unit that's been beat into the ground, not going up against first unit. So do you really want to yank Dylan Gabriel out when you're 4-0 right now? you got Iowa State this week and Texas the following week? If you are an OU fan clamoring for Jackson Arnold, I want you to go find the nearest mirror, rear back, and slap the taste out of your mouth. That's the last thing you'd want right now with an undefeated top 15 team that is starting to build it the right way on defense. And the quarterback right now is not the issue on offense. Yeah, he overthrew some stuff last week. That happens. But, yeah, he doesn't have a real strong run game to lean on right now. Still trying to figure out the pieces, you know, wide receiver. They got a lot to play with. I think Andrew L. Anthony has kind of established himself as that that number one. But back to Gabriel, he's he's not doing things to lose games right now. Mm. He's doing enough to win, and that's that's what you want. A very stout defense behind him as as we continue to move forward. But jumping over to to the better side of the ball, at least visually last week, guys. Oklahoma on defense, you know, people still make the comparison between this year and last year, starting undefeated. I don't see a comparison, guys. This is a night-and-day defense with guys making plays. Danny Stutzman is on a different world. Hey, hey Reeves, I said it last week going into it because everyone was saying the same thing. Oh, they were 3-0 and between before Big 12 play and everything like that. You know, you got to prove it. And, yes, do they have to prove it 100%. But I know I text you multiple times and you guys in the group. 
it's a different vibe when you watch this team. It's a different attitude. Whether it's the bend that don't but don't break attitude this defense has, like when they get down in the 20. How many times Cincinnati do that on Saturday? Oh, man. They go how 20, many fourth and twos did they have? Yeah, oh. 20 to 20 or fourth and two. And the defense finds a way to make the stop. Or something goes wrong against them. Instead of cratering like they would have in years past, yep. they just decide, you know what, it's time to bow our necks. Yep. Not going to happen. Because that was one reason last week. I'll be honest. There's games last year. You'd be worried like, yeah. this ain't going I haven't worried one time this year. Even Saturday when Cincinnati was hanging tough, yeah. it was kind of like, yeah, that defense is not going to let Cincinnati do it. And, yeah. and you felt even when the offense needed to run the ball, yeah. guess what they went out and did? They went, here we go. We're going to drive the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to move the ball. And so that's where I'm like, there's just a different attitude about this team. I don't mean they're a superior team in the country or anything like that. But they go out and they play well and they play with a purpose. Guys, this year. before I forget it, there's so much stuff on Stutzman. I have to point out how well Jaron Kanick has played, did play in this game all over the field. I mean, all eyes are on 28, but do not lose track of how good seven has been. The young linebackers were really, really impressive on Saturday. Um, they had a few busts and pass coverage, I will say, over the middle for a couple big plays. But, man, in that run game, and that was what you had to zone in on for Cincinnati. Emory Jones can use his legs. Kiner, their running back's a really good player. So, you had to zone in on that run game. And, man, Stutzman and Canick, they were flying to the ball. I mean, you can't even count the uh, tackles for loss they had on one hand. The sacks finally came, and that's something – that OU fans have been kind of upset about so far this year. We're not getting sacks, stuff like that. But, man, they came on Saturday. I was just super impressed. And, guys, we've talked about it all year long. How is the defense going to respond when the opponent gets into the red zone? They're still holding them to field goals. They're holding them to fourth down stops. Just beautiful stuff out of this defense. And if you can't realize the difference between last year's defense and this year's defense, then you simply didn't watch last You're year. You're not watching. Yeah. No. Uh, how fast these guys are flowing downhill, Randy. I mean, Canik and the reads are just – I asked uh, Stutzman about it yesterday at practice, and Randy, you've said it all year. The, the defensive line might not be getting sacks, but what they are doing is cleaning up stuff for the linebackers, and that's evident, and that's what he alluded to last night. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I've been impressed since day one with this defensive line play. Look at the run game. There's a reason they're not getting run on. Yeah, maybe they're not playing superpower teams. Cincinnati had run the ball pretty well going into Saturday. And that defensive line is clogging the hole. And then in the pass rush game and run game, they're they're taking up blockers. How many times did Joel Clapp point out on Saturday? Hey, there's one more guy there than can be blocked. Right. Last year, they may have been double or triple teamed, you know, one guy. And there were there was nowhere for the people to go because right. there were no double and triple teams. Now they're at least having to go, hey, you got me, you got him, you got him. Now Stutzman can run between the tackles. There was that one sack or was it a tackle for loss? They pointed out how everyone had matched up and it let Stutzman move, I believe, to the left side of the line to go in through a blitz because, hey, defensive linemen are doing their job. They're taking up blockers, and he went through untouched. Oh, man, night and day from last year. Gap integrity is so important in football. Anyone that's been around the game knows that. And a lot of the players we've talked to, they allude to last year how, guys, we didn't even know where to line up. Right. We, we were confused on where to line up simply pre-snap. And so this year, you see everyone knows where to line up. Everyone has their responsibility. And like Randy is saying, if you're in the right gap, filling the right hole, it's going to you know bring it back to Stutzman and let him shoot through that gap and get the tackle for loss. Last year... 
when these D linemen are in the wrong holes, it's totally throwing off our linebackers vision and they can't get in the right gap. Another play I saw on Saturday that really stuck out to me and something you wouldn't have seen last year, Key Lawrence coming over the top for that interception. Just an insane play. And he, it's like I didn't even see him when the ball was thrown. And then he runs over to the corner of the end zone, gets that pick when Cincinnati had one of their better drives of the game. It just feels like our players, especially on defense, are in better positions this year, which are helping them make these big plays. Reeves, we talked about it after the game was over. You know, you hear about it all the time. Hey, they had safety help over the top, right? You hear it every every Saturday, you know, every Friday in high school football. Yet for OU fans, it seems like a a starvation that it's been to just see it executed, right? See a safety in the right spot helping out a cornerback that's not beat by 10 yards and make the play. And Key Lawrence does. It stops a, a promising Cincinnati drive, and you get enough of those throughout a game, and it leads to a win because, guys, let's face it, they relied on that defense Saturday. It was not the offense that got them the win. No doubt. And Key Lawrence has been amazing, Fantastic. especially over the last two games. He looks like a different guy because I think – He's a guy that's a great athlete, and who knows, you know, what he, how he learns playbook and everything like that. But I think a lot of it may have to do with the fact, hey, you're playing this position. Right. Last year, if you remember, how many times somebody get injured because of the lack of depth? Hey, they moved Key to defensive back. Right. Hey, Key's going back to safety, strong safety, free safety. It's like they've just let him go out there and play, and he looks like a different player this year. Because he's got all the physical talents in the world, and he's able to take advantage of that, it seems like, so far. Right. Again, we know they're 4-0. They haven't played world beaters. But still, not making the mistakes, to your point, Reeves, that they made against bad teams. Not mentally, whether it's getting lined up right or whatever. Nine times out of ten, they're doing the right things. Yeah, and we've had to rotate a lot of guys, even this year on defense. There's been some injuries, like Justin Harrington, Reggie Pearson was out. But guys, all the replacements we've put in this year, it seems like they actually fit at the position we're putting them in. Like uh, Peyton Bowen at Cheetah, that just seems like a natural fit to me. Mm-hmm. Moving Key Lawrence to safety, I know he started there, but he was flipping positions last year a ton. It feels like he actually just fits there. Last year, it kind of felt like a ragtag group where you're just throwing guys in random positions and saying, we need to get our best players on the field, but they might not really fit in this position per se. Reeves, what did we talk about all camp? What did we keep hearing? What was the the, the battle drum every single practice? Competitive depth, right? I think they saw this in practice, that, hey, we've got a bunch of interchangeable guys that not only we can throw out, but we feel good to compete at a high level and keep us where we need to be on defense. Guys, that's what we're seeing. But let's uh, we got we got to bounce around the league a little bit and talk about some, oof, ugly football. Uh, our, our neighboring team to the north in uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, comes up with another loss, coming up short in Ames to a very bad Iowa State team. Randy, Mike Gundy is, is trying to stay optimistic, but uh, I don't see a lot of stuff to be optimistic about. Well, I think if you're an OSU fan, and it's why so many of them, I think after Saturday, were even more upset. Fine, he went with a quarterback, and I'm not saying he went wrong, right, indifferent. I mean, I would have gone Ringel just because young guy and you're in that spot. <clears throat> but I think it's the fact that, oh, you solved some of your offensive problems, you feel like. You went out and scored some points. You were able to move the ball, you know. Now the defense went away. Not that the defense was ever great, but it went away against a bad offensive team in Iowa State. And, you know, we'll find out. Maybe Iowa State fixed some of those problems, and we'll see this weekend. But for the most part, what we had seen on film so far, a very bad offensive team for Iowa State. So this is where, if you're an OSU fan, 
think you got to be very scared where this season's going. Because was that maybe the first sign of a team going, eh. yeah, we're, we're done. You know, I, and I don't mean, but you get what I'm saying. I that know. team just going, I, I'm not doing this anymore. What are we calling for OSU this year, guys? Are we going to say a winning record? I, I don't know. No. I, I, no. I knew coming into the year, I thought, hey, they could go as low as six games. Yeah. I don't know if they can get to six. Based on how they've played through the first four games. I don't see them. I don't know how they can get four more wins. No. I mean, it's we were joking before we went on the air about Neil Brown and West Virginia. I don't think they're any good, but they're winning games. Yep. So I don't know if I could pick OSU to win that game. I'm going to read you guys their schedule real okay. quick and tell me what games you think they win. Okay. So they're off this week on a bye. Okay. Then if they follow it with Friday night at home against Kansas State. Loss. Yep. Likely a loss. Next Saturday, home versus Kansas. Loss. At West Virginia. Loss. Yeah. Home against Cincy. They could win that I, game. I, they could probably win that game. But I will say this. Right now, that's a win. But if all those games they lose heading into Ooh. that game. It could be a loss. Yeah. I, I, How many players are left? Yeah, exactly. Bought in at that point. That's where I'm like, it gets very hairy. And then they go OU at home, at UCF, at Houston, BYU at home. So those last three games, not that difficult. But, man, if they can't win win one of these K-State or Kansases at home, then their season might be sunk, guys. Guys, Kansas is legit, by the Mm -hmm. way. That is a scary team. Our our boy Calvin, all eyes are on Kansas this week for Texas. They got a tough matchup before Oklahoma next week. Well, that's kind of what I said, remember, last week when we were joking about going in undefeated. Can both of them do it? Oklahoma's closest thing to a stumbling block was Cincinnati. I didn't think they had the horses to get it done, and Oklahoma got the win. Texas's closest thing was Kansas. Everyone wanted to focus on Baylor. But without shaping, you know, and everything like that, you, you didn't have a good feel about Baylor. Kansas is dangerous. Yes, they are. I mean, you look at that offense, and, and the reason we know as Oklahoma people that are covered Oklahoma, running quarterbacks that have extreme talent like Daniels do, does, it's dangerous for anyone. Guys, I've got some stats here. Uh, Kansas is number one in the country in third down conversion offense. They are top 25 total defense, top 25 total offense, and a offensive line that has 23 starts together. They are stout on both sides of the mm-hmm. ball, and they have a very dangerous running back on top of a great quarterback. Yeah, great baseball player. I mean, head coach Lance Leipold deserves so much credit for turning this program around. Guys, think how many coaches they've had in the last 10 years that have been unable to turn this around. Yeah. Even a national champion in Les Miles, and he miserably failed. Yeah. Yeah. I no, mean, really going back to, you know, firing Mangino, that sent them right. I mean, they were in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. I say. mean, they were a national contender at yeah. that point in time, you know, had chances to be in that area. Like you say, Orange Bowl. So, yeah, Kansas, for as dumb as they've been as a as a university in hiring football coaches or firing football coaches yeah. to the Mangino situation, they made the right move here. No doubt. And, and they've got a lot of things going in the right direction. I think Texas probably wins, and we'll get into predictions more on Friday. Yeah. More than likely, Texas probably wins, but is this a dogfight at the end of this game? If Wyoming can make it a dogfight going into the fourth quarter against Texas, Kansas damn sure can make it a dogfight going into the fourth quarter. And if there's one team in the league that has confidence against Texas and believes they can win, that's oh, yeah. the Kansas Jayhawks. Because they did it before they were any good. Exactly. And how many of those KU kids wanted to go to Texas out of high school, didn't get the offer, went on down to Lawrence, and now they're building something special? Man, anytime you play Texas, the other players on a team have you know a personal vendetta against them, really, because who doesn't want to play for the OU or Texas is in the Big 12? But, man, I, 
Kansas has beat them before in the past in in Austin. Got a really good quarterback. Texas is going to have to have a good game plan this week. I mean, they should not overlook this Jayhawk team, especially the week before OU. And that's human nature. I don't. They can talk all they want. OU Texas is next week, and that is going to be the national game. It's going to be impossible for Texas not to be looking ahead just a little bit. Uh, no doubt. And, and you know what? I don't think Texas, as good as they've played at times this year, is a team that can afford to overlook. It, it would be like Oklahoma. They've gotten better, you know, and everything. They're playing better. They're doing well. You can't afford to over. You're not to that Georgia level of talent or team. You know, you can't afford to overlook because if Texas goes out and sleepwalks through the first half thinking, hey, we're just going to roll our Texas helmets out there on the field and we're going to steamroll Kansas, they may be looking at a 17 point deficit going into halftime. Are they capable to come back from that? Hell yeah, they are. But at the same time, you don't want to be caught in that spot. So, yeah, luckily for them, and I think the coaching staff probably would say this maybe not on the air, tell anyone the truth. They are probably so thankful Kansas jumped into the top 25 this week. Get their attention. Just to kind of, hey, guys, it's a right. ranked opponent. Right. You know, it's not it's not one in three Kansas coming in here that's looked good, but they've had mistakes that have happened. And so it's hard to convince the team they're a good team. That's probably the best news for Texas. Kansas has done good so far this year. They've got a good victory over Illinois. Yep. You know, it's like they've got things they can point out to that team and go, Guys, can't take it lightly. They better not sleepwalk. They'll get beat in Austin. Kansas legit. The player I'm watching in this game is none other than Quinn Ewers because, guys, what does he tend to do? Play down to his competition. When does he play really good? When they're playing a really good team. Look at both the Bama games. Look at the OU game last year. He was lights out. I want to see how he plays against a Kansas team. They are ranked now, but it's still Kansas. I want to see how he comes out. Is he accurate? Is he sharp? Is he making those throws to Worthy and their other receivers downfield? I want to see it. Yeah, I'm kind of curious on their running game, too, because, like I said, I mean, Kansas has a stout front, top 25 total defense. Texas, I think, still looking for that replacement for uh, Roshan Johnson, you know, and uh, Bijan. They haven't found it yet. And and until they do, that's going to fall to your point, Reeves, all on Quinn Ewers. And sometimes he looks like he can do it. Other times it doesn't. It's kind of funny. It's like OU's offense this year. They've been explosive and unbelievable, then meh, then kind of explosive, and then meh. Hopefully that trend doesn't continue with Iowa State this weekend and Texas on deck. But anyway, back to Texas. They better have a buttoned up. they got a very tough game Saturday. No, no doubt about it. I think it'll be very interesting to watch and follow along with Texas this weekend because that one's going to be fun. And in a way, I think it may be good for Texas if they're tested, you know, get their team refocused, you know, because we all have seen Texas in the past get those big heads, you know, when things start going well. Right. Last thing that coaching staff probably wants them to get full of themselves. They don't want to lose. But they're probably like, if they could have that one game before OU Texas, where it's just like, hey, look, we've got a reason to rein these boys in to kind of go, we got to focus now. Well, and it, because it is, Texas it, has got a good path towards going undefeated if they get by Oklahoma. It is Texas. I mean, big heads happen, so I get your point. Yeah. <laughs> Another game I thought was interesting last Saturday, I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on it. You probably didn't watch the game because it was at the same time slot as OU. I definitely didn't. I was at the game. But TCU beating SMU 34-17 to 17 didn't see it. Yeah. just kind of st- stood out to me considering SMU and – or excuse me, OU and TCU have the common opponent in SMU. OU really couldn't score on SMU. Uh, TCU beats them by 17 or so. I mean, does it make OU's loss look worse because TCU I – mean, Brandon, did you say it was kind of a close game? Those 17-point victories, it was 27-10 to 10 with three minutes to get – or 27-17 to 17 with, like, three minutes to okay. go in the game. Okay. okay. So, I mean, they got a late touch on. That's not taking anything away. So, I mean, it was back and forth. And, like, 
I mean, if you want to look at it both sides, you can say, yeah, I took something away maybe. Oklahoma gave up 11 points. TCU gave up 17. Oklahoma didn't give up any in the first half. TCU took, I mean, SMU, I believe, took their first two drives of the game down to score. So, I mean, it's hard to compare because I think what you look at more than anything, both won by 17. Right. You know, I mean, they scored six more points in Oklahoma. Oklahoma held SMU to six less points. You know, so, I mean, it's weird. I don't think it takes away. I don't think it increases either, but at least helps Oklahoma and Texas and all those teams out at the end of the year that may need a victory over TCU late to help in the playoff race. That's where if you're a fan of Oklahoma, Texas, anyone in the Big 12 that wants to be maybe a playoff team, you're happy for that. Randy, I know you weren't high on the Horn Frogs coming into the 2023 season, but man. Still not. And that's fair, but it's hard for me to believe they're not going to be a really good team when they come to Norman last game of the year, man. I just think they're going to get better as the week goes on. And guys, they may not win nine, ten games, but I still think they could be a solid eight and four, nine and three team coming into Norman where you're, you know, you're worrying. This is, this could be a really good team. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I think Colorado was a lot better than we, we expected. Right. And they yeah. caught, they caught TCU off guard with a couple skill guys. And, and yeah. Oregon caught Colorado at the right time as well. Well, I mean, look, Colorado, they could have caught them any time. About to say, look, probably they, true. They got exposed. People who, you know, casuals didn't see it coming. We did. Uh, Colorado had played. Who Colorado State, Nebraska, and TCU. I think mm-hmm. the Colorado State, Nebraska wins hit a lot. And the first time they played a really talented team, it, it looked like it. And Colorado still to me is a, a max six, maybe seven yeah. win team if, if things go right. But, you know, Reeves, to your point, TCU, the offense hadn't been the issue. They, they put up points against Colorado. Mm-hmm. I think they're starting to get their D figured out. And I'm with you. I, I see a nine, ten win team. They've only got one loss right now. And they're kind of sneaking around the hen house. Nobody's really talking about them right now. And they'll, they'll, they'll not do nothing but improve as the season goes along. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that team. I, I think they're about seven, eight win team. I am not sold still, on this team. Still not sold. I'm not sold on this team at all. Let's look at their schedule briefly. Um, they get West Virginia and Iowa State next two games. Both Where's winnable. West Virginia at? West Virginia at home, Iowa State on the road. Okay, then yeah. So that's, that's the perfect scenario yeah, there. Exactly. And then BYU at home should win that. But BYU, yeah, we were wrong their on defense, BYU and Fayetteville. Their, their defense is pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. And then they go at K-State, at Tech. Those are two hard games, even though Tech has been atrocious, guys. Yeah, but, that's... And then Texas at home, Baylor at home, at OU. So. See, and I think that Baylor at home at the end of the year, that's going to be a trap game, too, I think. Because Shapen will be back, back by Shapen then. Shapen should be back. And now, back to the OSU point in that sense, it, it could be that defense and everyone just decides on Baylor. Well, pack it in. You right. know, that, that they need to start winning some games pretty soon to keep the team involved. Guys, to jump back to OU real quick, have you noticed you brought up the SMU game? It seemed in the game at Cincinnati last week when that got to be a one-score game, and the same was with SMU. I think when they got it to I don't know 21-11, 17-11. It seems like when the OU offense takes the field with this mindset of we're oh. not we're not going to be stopped, they they go and it's it's just trying to get them there to a consistent level. But when they decide to go, they go. Guys, a hundred percent, and that's why I've been saying and. and I could be proven wrong, and trust me. Definitely no football genius over here. That's what I've been saying. I feel like it's vanilla, and when they go, you know what? Right. We need to do a little more. Let, let's let put them in the corner and put them away right now. And it's like you say, it was 14-11 against SMU. Okay. All of a sudden, it's a three-point game, because remember, Reeves, you were texting, going, oh, I think they may lose. Yeah. This looks like last year. And I, was, and I was like, no, different vibe. Next drive out was it. 
like five plays and a touchdown. No problem. Just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Defense gets a turnover. Score another point. 28-11. Game over. Bam. Done. And kind of the same thing, like you say, with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, backs against the wall just when everyone wants to think, oh, this is just like the last five, six years. Nope. Here you go. We're going to shove it down your throat and go win the game. That's kind of where I go back to that one drive where you hadn't seen them run the ball very well at all against Cincinnati. And all of a sudden, you need a drive to take some time. Give right. your defense some rest. Boom. They run the ball. They throw the ball. They move the ball. Touchdown. Over. See, that makes me optimistic if I'm an OU fan because they can do it when yeah. they want to. It's weird. You got to start doing it at the start of games, though, versus these elite teams, guys. They cannot wait till the second half to do it versus Texas. But, Reeves, that's the thing. That's what we're saying. They're, they don't need to do it against these teams they've been playing. Yeah, I get so, that. I but running so the kinda, Well, we'll see a different offense against Texas. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what we're saying. It's like they're not showing what they want to show they, until, until they they're need forced it. to. Yeah. Sure, oh, but crap. running the ball versus the Iowa States of the world versus the Cincinnati's of the world. It's easier than running the ball against Texas. Yeah, but if you're not pulling out the blocks, like if you notice, they made an adjustment in the second half to run the ball. They yeah. they hadn't shown the pulling guard play no, all year that's long. A, they haven't shown and counters. They, or and they kind of went, you know what? I think to a little of your point, what you're saying, all right, we need to go ahead and start running the ball a little better. That way we don't wear the defense out. Let's pull that back out of our arsenal that we know we have and we know we can run the ball well with. Now, to Reeves' point, I would like to see them against these weaker defensive lines. And Cincinnati does have some dudes. Yeah, they had a, they had Corleone up and front as one of the best well, guys in the they conference. Have, they have two NFL draft picks on that. Briggs and Corleone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're phenomenal players. So, so, I mean, they are good there. But to your point, I'd like to see them a little bit better average yards per carry against those teams, right. be able to establish it a little bit more. But what we're saying is I think when, when they feel it's needed, they can do it. Well, and I think that's where I'm with you. I think they need to do it, and I'd like to like to see it, but I think that's where all of a sudden those pulling go- plays, the counters, I think they decided, you know what, we're not going to be able to go, especially with the depleted line that they have right now, go man up and just push around, especially Cincinnati, Briggs, and Corleone, right. you know, and get those four or five yards to carry. Because all of a sudden when they started doing those counters and those pulling plays, hello, Marcus Major was going – I mean, there were three straight runs between Walker and uh, and Major that I think amounted to 27 yards. Yeah. You know, they just went, you know what, time to pull this back out of the playbook. We hadn't shown it all year long. Yeah, we still have it. Let's go ahead and show it. It, it will be interesting to see what they do this weekend because I, I think if they got other running plays, they're not pulling them out. Why show them? I mean, I'm, I'm with you, but why show them, I guess? I agree. I mean, yeah, this is, you could argue this is the weakest conference opponent they're going to play all year. The, them or OSU. So, I mean, yeah. I'm, 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 I get your point. There's no reason to show it. I just, I think it's a little bit of rolling the dice if you say, hey, we're not going to, we're not going to get these five, six yard runs on average until the Texas game. Right. We're not running right. these plays till the Texas. It's a little bit of a roll of dice, guys, because if it backfires in your face and you're facing third and tens all game because you can't run. You're probably going to lose. Look, yeah. we could be sugarcoating it too, guys. We really could. I mean, that there could be issues with the O line and running game right now. I've just noticed when they have to have it and score dictates it, they've been able to do it. Now, do they need to do it more consistent against teams that they should 100%. be able to? Absolutely. But I think right now they're just kind of doing what they need to to win, getting to Dallas undefeated, and then I think you'll see a different offense start to finish. And, and I think you could say it for both teams, and then we'll talk yeah. more about you, Texas, because Texas is the same way. They've got running issues. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's now they've run the ball better than Oklahoma. Don't get me wrong. But both of them are kind of like, you kind of wonder, are each of them holding something back in the run game? Because why aren't they doing more? Yes. They've each, they, 
Texas lost two NFL backs last year. Oklahoma lost an NFL back last year. So they're replacing a lot in that backfield. But it's weird that both of them just haven't really, with the opponents, other than Alabama, sure? other than Alabama, with the opponents they've played, haven't they not just force-fed the ball down their opponent's throat, just like Oklahoma? Have they not force-fed the ball running? And so it kind of makes you question a little on both of them. Well, I mean, Randy, to your point, I think, you know, with these spread offenses, back to the Mike Leach, how mummy thing, they use those, you know, short passes as part of the running game. Mm-hmm. I'm with Reeves, or I'd like to see maybe some more personnel use, maybe get a pet away on the edge, one of those swing passes, try some running backs in those swing passes, saw Chuck. Again, we keep going back to Sawchuck Barnes. We saw him against Tulsa. I get the coaching staff's point. It, it was nothing spectacular. I mean, yeah. it was serviceable, but it's what we've seen with Major and, and Walker. And that was probably one of the weakest defensive lines they'd played. Absolutely. I'm not trying to sound like I'm a, I know more than Jeff Lovey or I'd be a great offensive coordinator, but the one thing I will question, some of the swing passes they're running to Stoops, one, Stoops isn't the guy, I think, that should be catching it on a swing pass unless maybe it's like a third and two situation. You want to catch him off guard. You know, Stoops is going to catch the ball. He's probably going to get the line to gain. He's not going to outrun most people. He, he's not going to outrun people is my point. And on the same note, they ran the play to the short side of the field, which I, I don't understand why it was about a second and nine. Into, and, into and the boundary. Yeah. Hey, and they're running the, it to the boundary. Same as the option. Exact same thing. Option football, into run the to the end of the boundary. Yeah. It really narrows the choices down yeah. for the defenders. Yes, but also you, if you know where you're going, it gives you a little advantage is what they say. So that that's one of the reasons for that, and I agree with you. But back to those swing passes aren't made to be big plays, Reeves. That's fair. They're back that's to fair. made to be yeah. the to be a run play. second and yeah. six, second and five. So I think that's kind of the reason. I get I'm your with point. you. I think when you see it run to the wide side, if you ever see the swing passes do that way, that's, that's where you're going to see yeah. the pet ways doing them and stuff like that. I think the near boundaries like – Hey, this is going to mimic a run player. You, you need to get four or five yards. That's so a good I explanation. Think, I, I think that's how it works. Plus, you can fake off that and then go back to the wide side. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but your O line's got to hold up. Yeah, they do. Yeah, well, but to be honest, they're not going to play many defensive lines with two NFL draft picks. Hey, that was you know I got um, got into an argument with our Texas boy Calvin after he said, "Boy, that line was trash." And it Cincinnati. was. I said, "Well." They got two NFL guys on on the Cincinnati line, dude. He's like, no, that, that there's nothing salty about Cincinnati's defense. I said, I, again, I have to disagree. They, it, you can tell they play a good brand of football on defense. I mean, they, they were do. tackling well. They were filling the right holes. They they know what to do on defense. Now, they they might not even be a top half defense in the Big Twelve at the end of the year. No, I, I think they will be top half. They're not great. Secondary I mean, is bad. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. The defensive line, and, and I will say this: I want to see what the offensive line does because. Anyone that knows anyone that's been an offensive lineman, talked to offensive lineman, it does not help when you have injuries and you're going in and out. If there's one unit on the field in football that needs to be consistently the same five guys, it's offensive line more than any other position because they know by calls, hey, I can trust Dave's going to get this guy. I can trust Reeves getting this guy. I've got this guy. Or if there's a double team, Mm -hmm. I know Reeves is going to come help me while Dave's going to do his job over here. You're playing with different guys out there. It throws that all off kelter. And so that's why it's like it is interesting. And you hope the line's healthy this week, like getting Bird back and whatever is going to be your starting line against so they Texas. So start to get into it. That where you can go out and play the same offensive line this week that starts next week against Dallas. That way it's not everyone trying to 
ease back into that comfort level with each other. It's like a choreo- choreography and in, in dancing with those guys on the line. They all start to learn each other's moves, same as going back to the running back. You get into a rhythm, into a groove. When you're constantly cycling, cycling guys out, Reeves, you can't do that, man, and we've seen it. Yeah, and I'm not trying to bash on a guy like Troy Everett. Man, he tries really hard, and he gives a ton of effort, and I respect him for that. But just natural size and natural physical ability, I think Bird's the guy you have to have out there. And I know Bird was hurt last week, so that's why Everett was playing. But, man, versus Texas, versus their big D-line that they have, Mm -hmm. I think Bird is a guy you have to have out there just because of his physical traits. You could even tell me Everett is a better natural blocker and football player, which I would say great. But you're going to need Bird's size, maybe not this week, but to Randy's point, the O-line's so important for gluing five guys together. They all have chemistry. So I agree with Randy in that I want to see the same five guys this week that I do in Dallas next week. Even if it's Caden Green over Everett. He's just yeah. bigger. Look, it's it's physics, guys. you, you yeah. got to be able to move people off the line and hold up against you know your pass rush. And Yeah, I love Everett, man. His Going back to the Appalachian State days, he tries really hard. and He's a, he's a practice guy. He's got experience. That's well and good, but when you're getting pushed back into your own mm-hmm. backfield, you, you can't have that, especially against better teams coming up. That's why health's the key. It is. I mean, it being is. honest, it's it a is. big key. And it's, speaking of Kate Green, I really like what I've seen out of him Same. early on. Yeah, for a freshman kid being yep. put in those spots, yep. come out and played really well. So, bright side for Oklahoma fans, some really big upside for some young guys, you know, to look forward to in the future, plus what they got coming in recruiting class. So, yeah, this offensive line – it's a project, and I think in a way it can be better than last year's if they can stay healthy and glue together right. and learn each other's tendencies like they did in fall camp. Got to start hurrying, guys. We're a quarter of the way into the season. Yeah. In the end, though, I trust Coach Bill Biedenboe, man. He's always been able to get the best out of his offensive lines. And, you know, these last few years have not been as strong on the offensive line as we had with Baker and Kyler, those offensive lines. I mean, they had NFL guys littered across all five spots. But in the end, I do trust him, man, his work ethic, and he's a really good coach. He seems to get the best out of his offensive linemen. So I'm going to trust the process, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, especially going into Dallas, guys, because that Texas D-line, they do not mess around. Guys, I've got to say, too, you bring up Baker and Kyler. Any OU fan listening to this is not going to like hearing it. Lincoln Riley is a generational offensive mm-hmm. guy. Offense is not supposed to look as easy as that was in Norman. Anything following that up with Gabriel and Levy is not going to look as good. Nobody can. So it's not to say what we're seeing is bad or what we saw is bad. It's just nothing can be to made be made to look that easy with a guy like Lincoln calling plays. And fully agree. I mean, Lincoln Lincoln's generational. I mean, it's, with how he does his offense, you may not be able to hire defensive coordinators, but how he does his offense is generational. It is. I mean, there's a reason why he was able to win so many games at Oklahoma when the defense couldn't stop anything. There's a reason why, you know, he ended up doing what he did at USC last year without a defense. There's a reason why he's able to do what he's doing right now at USC without a defense. Also, the reason he never wins an actual playoff game, too. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. all goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah so no, I, I, I think you're right. But, guys, I think you're just going to watch this line. And to your point, Reeves, and trusting Beanbow, look at his track record. No look doubt. at his history. Yes, Oklahoma's always ran the ball well, but they never run it as well in the first four or five games of the year as they are by the end of the year. And part of that is he likes to fill it out. Let's go back to Bird. Was it the SMU game? 
He yanked him out and didn't even put him back in. After a sack, yeah. He got After beat really bad on that set, like yeah. really noticeably bad oh. to where even every fan saw it who doesn't even right. watch the offensive line. But right. I will tell you this much. In my belief with how beaten Bo's worked in the past, that's a sack if Bird gives up against Texas. Bird's staying in the game. He knows when he's going up against an opponent that he's got an offensive line that he can go, you know what, I'm going to make my point, you know, and oh, pull you out over here. Whereas, all right, I, I need my it. best guys on the field. Yeah. Yeah, you screwed up, but you're going to learn from it by going back out there and doing it again. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Bill B., when you go his past, there's a reason why he was retained by Brent when a lot of coaches weren't. I mean, who wouldn't want to have the guy? And mm-hmm. he'll, he'll get it figured out. I mean, I, they're, I think they're close to where they need to be pass blocking. Oh, definitely. Holding up really well, giving Dylan time. A lot of the RPOs help with that. The ball's out quick. But, you know, the run game, it's a work in progress, guys. And, and Brent this morning, you could tell, he's like, I want someone to step up and take it. That's not happening yet. Uh, I'm not seeing it in practice. Guys aren't taking advantage of their opportunities. We know who you guys want to see. What I'm trying to tell you, this is coming from Brent, is they're not taking the the advantage or not taking the opportunities to to see the field. So work in progress. Really curious to see, you know, what that running back room looks like this week. But, you know, it's Iowa State. They're terrible. And they're going to blow the doors off regardless who plays. There really has been a lot of experimentation with the run game, if you think about it this year. Think back to the Jackson-Arnold package. Um, We all thought it should be Tawi Walker taking the ball in short yardage situations, but Jeff Levy tries the Jackson-Arnold thing. We've tried a host of different backs. We've also tried the swing passes like Randy's talking about. So, you know, it's been a lot of different things trying to get this run game going. I'm just interested to see... What's going to be their bread and butter versus Texas? Is it going to be that counter that they ran with Lincoln so well? Is it going to be a guy pulling? Is it just going to be straight up the middle? I want to see them get to a bread and butter play, especially a run play where they're getting five, six yards. Because, guys, I've been beating a dead horse here, but it's going to open up the play-action passing game so much downfield and just the three-step drop-back passes. I know what the, what the bread and butter run play is going to be. It's going to be Randy's favorite play, and that's Jackson Arnold package. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why we didn't see it last week. I mean, guys, I don't think it's crazy to say he's going to play in this Texas game. I do. Uh, yeah. I, you think I, it's crazy to say? I, I mean, and the only reason I say that, he didn't play last week. True. And I think that's kind of like – that to me, honest, I think, I mean, could there be a goal line situation or something? I they just, may put him in there, but, but for the most part, if they didn't play him last week, I think those Jackson Arnold things, how we talked about earlier about putting things on film, that's hey Texas, here's something else for you to watch. Hey Texas, here's something else for you to watch. I could see him coming in for a package third and one. I see it, man. I can visualize it right now. One step into the line, steps back and goes deep. Just once again, you know, you pull out all all the stops playing the uh, the Longhorns. It it may be easier to visualize right now considering how much Wildcat we had to run last year. Oh, man, that that game was brutal, y'all. It was Wildcat every other play. I'll be honest, I hope not. Uh, Yeah. I I really do. I don't think it's good for the system. I don't think it's good for anything. I mean, even back to the Landry Jones days when they would put Blake Bell in, and it was a successful package, but Landry Jones came out and said after his career, I did not like that because I I felt like I drove the team down the field. Blake Bell, 6'6", 260 pounds. There's a big difference. Landry, they did that to keep you from choking another one off. That's why. (laughs) Maybe you wanted to. Shots fired here. Shots fired. Maybe Landry is a big game, and they're afraid you're going to throw another crucial interception. He was the best, worst quarterback I've ever seen. 
I've had well, this if you look at the stats, he's oh, yeah. one See? of the best. See? Yeah, go back and look at the stats. What he did in big games, yeah, exactly. all the like oh, two, man. yeah, yeah, captain, right. captain interception. All right, on that note, uh, for you Landry Jones lovers, that's going to do it for this edition of the DNR. Go back to New Mexico. <laughs> DNR College Football Heights is on a roll. I can't even can't even sign us off here. DNR College Football Report through 107.7 The Franchise. For Mr. Randy Heights, Mr. Eves Mitchell, I'm Dave Mark. We'll talk to you guys down the road. And welcome into the DNR College Football Report through 107.7 The Franchise. Dave Mark, Randy Heights. Pleased to be joined by the Iowa State Cyclone Network sideline reporter, Ryan Harklaw. Ryan, thanks for taking some time today, man. Hey, it's great to be here with you. I look, uh, I look forward to seeing you here on Saturday as well. Yeah, got a big matchup coming up. I, I think I just kind of wanted to dive in prior. I know that you guys, the Cyclones kind of went through it, you know, you know, right before the season started. Kind of talk about, if you would, you know, what transpired when you started to hear about things and kind of how that all went down. Yeah, it was uh, one of the craziest off-seasons, and, and in April, you, you started hearing this rumbling about uh, the state of Iowa, if you will, doing an investigation into, you know, college athletes gambling in the state. At that time, you didn't know who, which college, which university, and after a while after it came out, you know, there's really, they focused on two universities, the University of Iowa and Iowa State, and so... Uh, in the state of Iowa, it is they have legalized gambling and, and sports gambling. You can do it on you know any of those DraftKings or any other of those accounts, and and so somebody uh, within the and I don't think anybody really knows uh, investigated underage gambling uh, amongst athletes in the state, and when that came out, we we did have uh, six or five or six guys that get named. They got named, four of them being starters on offense, and. Mm. Unfortunately, we've not had any of them throughout this season. It did, it did impact us, obviously, when you lose four starters on already a young football team. It makes a big impact. But the good news was this happened, like I said, in April. And, you know, you look at the season. You're starting to prepare for spring ball at that time. They knew that those guys were going to be probably out for part of the season, you know, if not for all of it. And so they've moved forward. Coach Campbell's moved forward like they weren't going to be a part of it. And, already started working with the next group of kids that was going to play, knowing that there was going to be an impact to the football team and who's going to get to play. Hey, Ryan, one of those guys you talk about is, of course, the position of quarterback. But Decker out this year, going with freshman Rocco Beck. Talk a little bit about his development from game one to last week watching that game against Oklahoma State. That seemed to be the best I've seen him perform all season. It seemed like he's a little more comfortable there with the team Saturday. He was. It was much better. I thought that he played really well. He's played good all year, to be honest. I think he's had a good year. He's done what the coaches have asked. I think they opened the playbook up a little bit more for him last week uh, against Oklahoma State and gave him a little bit more leeway. And You know, if you look at some of those early games, and especially even early in against Oklahoma State, a lot of teams were sliding safeties into the box and, and moving everybody up. And, and while you can try to run the ball, when you're outnumbered inside the box, it makes it really difficult. And I think what we've seen from the coaching staff, especially last week, was, all right, you know, if you want to stick eight, nine in the box and go, you know, a single high safety or, or no safety help, you know, we're going to let them go. And, and when they did, I, I tell you what, he made a lot of good decisions. And, you know, one of the neatest things is, you know, not only has he done good throwing the ball, but they've only given up one sack uh, in, all, in four games. And, 
and Rocco is a big part of that. Man, he is really good. He sees on timing. He gets rid of the ball. Uh, he doesn't really allow the, in the defensive line a lot of time to get to him. He he does make quick decisions, pulls that trigger pretty quick. So so far, you know, he's off to a pretty good start, especially as a freshman starting here in the Big Twelve. DNR Football Report, Dave Meyer, Randy Heights, joined by Ryan Harklaw. So, yeah, Coach Venables yesterday morning, we met with him, and I'll tell you what, he kind of lit up talking about Becht. Uh, he has liked what he, he has seen on tape, and he's definitely has Oklahoma's attention. But uh, I kind of wanted to jump to the defensive side of the ball. Ryan, you guys have really stood out under, under Coach Heacock. You know, really the last five years have been the best defense in the Big 12. Oklahoma State has been kind of experimenting at quarterback. I don't know if they had their best day just sticking with one last week or if the, your defense was off just a touch. Kind of talk about that side of the ball and where they are. Well, you know, they they, they are very deep. You know, I would say there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball defensively. You know, when you look at what what's happened, you know, when they've given some things up, it's been big plays. You know, and you look at the Oklahoma State game, you know, some of their, their scoring drives and, and, you know, one was a 78-yard scoring drive and it was on two runs. You know, and it wasn't it, – it's been the big play that's kind of buckled us a little bit on the defense. But when you go series by series, it's been a, it's been a good defense. There's a lot of talent over there. Um, you know, and coming to Oklahoma, you know, anytime you come to Norman, you know you guys are going to have an offense on the field, you know, and I think that – that, and that's no different this year. And I think that, you know, with Dylan Gabriel out there, man, is that guy good. I mean, he's basically your offensive coordinator. I mean, the guys, I think he started college when I was in college 20 <laughs> years ago. He's a redshirt freshman. But the guy, could, he, he looks like a coordinator when you watch the film. Man, he's directing traffic, and he gives you guys a shot every single week, you know, to do great things with just having him back there for you. So he'll be the big challenge for this team. You know, our corners have to be – great you know for the, the threats you have out there uh you know anthony to me stands out mm -hmm. you know but you know when you watch him on film he's scary and uh you know that, that defense is going to have some challenges on saturday with what you guys are throwing at him hey ryan you talk about this defense how well they played i think two of the games that really show up for you guys is the iowa game defense really kept the cyclone minute and then that ohio game which was just I felt like kind of an ugly game all the way around for both for both teams. But how how do you feel they bounced back getting that victory last week after that rough game against Ohio where really you had a couple of calls I I thought kind of went against you. Can't believe they can't review a field goal because that thing looked good, you know. But how do you feel like the bounce back is in this team after having that struggle with those two games in a row? So the, the, the mentality of this team is good. It's a super young team. You know, when you look at this team you know, against Oklahoma State, a lot of the most of the game, there's four freshmen on the field on offense. A lot of it's five freshmen on the field. So you got a, you know, a right guard, uh, a, a tight end, our running back, and our uh, quarterback are all freshmen. You know, and if you look back to what happened in that investigation earlier that we talked about, our, we lost the left tackle, we lost our running back, we lost our starting quarterback, we lost our starting tight end. So what what happened is is the guys that were maybe a year away or there now and the good news is when you're young you just you just take that next step and you, you, you know you're trying to get better every week and everything's brand new to you you know you you everything's everything's so new and exciting but what i will tell you what you get with that as well is like what we got at ohio you know where maybe everything wasn't clicking like it needed to and that was very evident when we were over there it just was not a clean game it was sloppy 
it looked like some freshmen playing, you know, a lot of that game, and it, it showed out. But then you get to a week later, and Oklahoma State comes to town, and, man, did they respond really well. And a lot of those freshmen, I thought, played really good football. Ryan, you guys uh, run that three-three-five that that just drives offensive coordinators crazy. You know, in years past, you have to be so patient working the ball. You brought up the the big play. It kind of seems like if they can negate that, that's kind of starting to get back to what Hecock likes to run. You know, make a team drive the entire field. You bring up Dylan Gabriel. To all the OU fans listening, really listen to what he just said. I think this fan base has become extremely spoiled watching quarterbacks the last half decade. But yeah, one thing I will say about Oklahoma's offense, uh, we've tried to sugarcoat it, but th- there's some issues running the ball right now. How has Iowa State held up against the rush? I know Ollie Gordon had a good day last week, but how, how do you kind of see that battle in the trenches with OU's O-line against Iowa State's defensive line? Yeah, you know, that's where they've given up the big plays, you know, and if you look at the Iowa game as well, you know, we gave up three big runs, or excuse me, two big runs on third and short. And when you look back, what happened, it's just, it was run fit. They missed it. And, you know, a lot of the challenges three, three, five gives you, which is so difficult to, to prepare for is our defensive backs, corners included, will sometimes have um, run responsibilities with inside the tackle box. Wow. And so you're you're asking your offensive line to pick up a safety or a middle safety or a corner in some situations where they're going to come into the box and they'll have run responsibilities to that outside D or C gap. So, you know, that's what's so hard is, is the, the, the defense is relatively simple if you're running it, but when you're actually against it, it's pretty difficult because they throw so many things at you you know, pre-snap, that it's really hard to pick up where your guy is going to be and who you're going to block for. And so that's, you, you know, the, the, they've been really stout on the run 99% of the times, but, man, they've given up a lot of yards and some big runs. And that Ollie, he had a, he had a, like a 65-yard run, I believe, and that was a lot of his yards just on one run. Okay. You know, Ryan, no one wants to necessarily look to the future because we're so early into the season, but you talk about all these freshmen playing – Oklahoma and Texas, of course, check out of the conference after this year, and you got some newcomers coming in. In, in a way, just you you as a media member, looking on the outside, looking in, playing some of these young guys, do you feel like it could be an advantage for the Cyclones going into next year where no one really knows who's going to be the top dog in the Big 12 starting next year? Yeah, it's, uh, it is. We were young last year. And then, again, we got hit with the bug, you know, with that investigation. So we started over and we're young again. But, yeah, the talent of the last two recruiting classes is starting to show. And I think that that's the exciting part is what, what we're going to have. And, you know, coming into Norman, you know, I played in like 98 or 99. I played down in Norman. I don't remember what year that was when we played there. But anytime you walk into Norman, you, can, you can't be a bit off at all. You know, you have to have an order because they're not going to. And athletically, you know, they do have an advantage on us. I mean, they they have the four and five stars. And and if you're going to compete, you got to be on it. And as a freshman, you really have to be on it. And I say as you come into Saturday, you know, we got to play a good football game. You know, I mean, you guys are, you know, you look offensively, you are what you've always been. But what the crazy part is now defensively, Oklahoma's legit. You know, Coach Venables is one of my favorite coordinators to watch coach when he's at Clemson is fun. We played him uh, his last game at Clemson and uh, uh, down in Florida, Orlando in the bowl game. And mm-hmm. man, that defense is unbelievable. So 
it is exciting to have freshmen to, to think about the future. But at the same time, walking into Norman with a bunch of freshmen, they got to be ready, uh, be prepared to play because they're, they're going to go against some talent on, on Saturday. And, and and I know you guys get to watch to see it, but this will be the most challenging team we've played here today. Oh, no doubt, Ryan. And I'll tell you what, this has become a battle. I mean, it, it kind of started back with, you know, the Lincoln Riley days. I don't recall a defense giving his offense more more trouble than this Iowa State three three five did. It just it drove him nuts, and I did not see him slow down like that against any other team. And for whatever reason, when these two get together now with Matt Campbell as head coach, it's going to be a battle. I know a lot of people you know, have misconceptions, I think they are, about what's going to happen this game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think, because what I'm talking about, it's, it's actually become a pretty good rivalry. It sucks this is the last year of it, but that's the way it is. What, what are your thoughts on the new teams coming in and, and kind of where the conference is going? Yeah, for, I mean, I... You know, I'm okay with Texas leaving. <laughs> I, I, I hate to uh, I hate to see Oklahoma leave. To be honest, from my perspective as a past athlete, um, you know, I respect the heck out of Oklahoma. You know, I, I like I just liked what you guys were. You know, you did win, have a lot of success, but it was with class. And um, you know, we're gonna it, it's it's too bad. You know, it's our last time we're gonna be in in Norman and maybe forever. You know, and that's just a weird thing to say. It's been a long time, but. Mm-hmm. You know, with the new schools coming in, it, you know, it does, there's a lot of good football still coming in. You know, BYU is going to be, think, a long-term player. Central Florida, you know, is going to be a long-term player. I think Cincinnati, you just were in Cincinnati. They're no slouch, you know, and the, the recruiting base in Ohio and can do a lot of good things. And then you get the two Arizona schools uh, next year. Dion, you can see what he's starting to do at Colorado. I don't think he's where he will be mm-hmm. I, I think that's clear i don't think you know they're probably a seven win team this year maybe and then uh, uh utah <laughs> utah's yeah. a good football program so they're still going to be really good football top to bottom it's going to be a really good football conference you know does it have the top top you know we do lose like i said oklahoma you know you get losing you guys it doesn't help you know on the top end of the conference but what is still strong is the depth of the conference, which that's really debatable. I mean, if they're, they're, the Big 12 will still be one of the deepest conferences um, in the nation. I, I would even say it's probably deeper than, like, the Big 10, you know, where they have a couple at the top. But after that, it's like, nah, you know, I'd probably rather go to Champaign, you know, than to Cincinnati. No doubt. And so, yeah, it's going to be a interesting world to see who grabs it, you know, because once you do, you know, have a change like this, no different than when the Big 12 came to town, like who's going to take it, you know, that's what we're going to try to figure out here. And it's going to be an interesting couple of years. Yeah, no doubt, Ryan. I'll, I'll follow up one more, Randy, than if you've got something to go. But I just wanted to say I'm with you. I hate the change. I understand it, I guess, from a financial perspective. And I hate that that's kind of what's driving it. And I, I like regional rivalries. I think that's kind of what's made college football what we what we love, right? It's going around the country to these matchups that aren't going to happen anymore. And that that's very sad, and I'm, I'm with you. And Iowa State is one of the teams I'm going to miss playing. Yeah, it's the same. And for you guys, what's crazy is, you know, just going here now, I, I like my nephew, kid just got out of high school, he's driving down to go to Norman, wants to go to the last game down there. And like, man, no, I mean, you guys are right next to Stillwater. You know, it's not a long drive from Manhattan, not a long drive from Lawrence, not mm-hmm. a long drive from all those games. Like, your fan base can travel, and they've always traveled so well. It's going to be such a different change, you know, for the Oklahoma fans in the future. You don't just jump in the truck and drive six hours 
you know, if this is a if this is a flight now for for many of your games in the future, maybe other than Arkansas and Texas, but um, there's going to be some obviously change for everybody in this, and uh, we'll see where it ends up. Hey Ryan, I definitely want to thank you for coming on and joining us here. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch this game Saturday, and I guess just kind of the final thoughts I have from from you on Iowa State with all the realignment, with everything that's going on, do you feel like the Cyclones now, because of their athletic success on football and on basketball, have fully established themselves at staying at the Power 5 level with all the rumors that are going around about what may end up happening, whether it's a Power 5, Power 2? I'm one that feels like Iowa State as an athletic program has earned the right to stay on that level. Do you feel like everything that's going on around the Cyclone program they've done over the last 10 years, 15 years to establish themselves as one of those programs if it starts to get cut down again? You hope so, you know, and maybe one of the biggest unfortunate things is we've already got a, you know, unfortunately, the University of Iowa is pretty decent in football too. So, you know, it's, uh, and there's only so many TVs in, in the state of Iowa. And so, you know, the game has completely changed. You know, when you look at like what Washington State's doing right now, and the success they're having, and they're, it's, it, it, unfortunately, it's not even about how good you are. You know, it's, it's now it's about what value do you bring to a contract and how many viewer, you know, viewers can you get in a game. The good news is when we do have primetime games, like when you watch this Oklahoma-Iowa uh, State game on, on Saturday, I bet the viewership looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I bet it looks good compared to everything else. And that's going to be more important than you can win nine, ten games a year but if you can't get people to turn the TVs on, you're going to be out of luck in the future in this world, and especially in the sports world, which is this, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to judge based on what the game is now, and the game is just not what we ever thought it to be in the past. No, it's not. Definitely, uh, you know, it's not what we loved. It's not what it was, you know, early 2000s when I think it was the heyday of you had enough coverage but not crazy with it, and that's kind of what, what killed the spirit was was getting too crazy with it, but Hey, we're we're getting off topic. We'll watch it because we love it regardless. Ryan, thanks for taking some time today. Uh, We'll let you get back to it and see you in Norman Saturday for what is hopefully a great game. Uh, Anything else you want to want to throw out that that you guys do? What network you're on? What's going on with that? No, we're good. Yeah, I'm with Learfield Sports, obviously. So we're on the Varsity app. So you can hear our our broadcast on the Varsity app. But uh, uh, no, I I appreciate your time, guys. This is. uh, like I said, I'm excited to be down there, but it's a little bittersweet knowing it's the last time down there. But I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you guys today. And uh, like I said, hopefully it's a great game here on Saturday. Outstanding. That's Ryan Harklaw. This is Dave Meyer, Crandy Heights, DNR College Football Report through 107.7 The Franchise.